Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your co-hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined as always by Eric Trexler. How are you doing, Eric? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing well. Well, the good thing about a podcast, right, is that you can always record from home. So this, <laughs> the, the world we're living in right now is not, does not at least interrupt this part of uh, us still providing content every These week. COVID-19 days are, we can adapt on the podcast. That's right. Can't get toilet paper, but we can get the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, you have to <laughs> have your priorities, right? Um, and so this week, we are joined by Sheree English, who is the Chief Security Officer of We Cyber. Let's first just get to your background. Um, Sheree, tell us a little bit more about um, We Cyber and the work that you do and just how you got into cyber, the cybersecurity world, I should say. Well, We Cyber is a woman-owned and operated cybersecurity company in the Rocky Mountains. Um, we used to do what we call post-breach forensics, and a breach is when a company has been basically um, infiltrated by a hacker of some sort. And after that happened, we would do a lot of forensics and tell companies and government agencies what happened. But it was very difficult. It was a difficult uh, role. We saw business after business go under um, and not be able to, to sustain the hacks. We saw government entities being able to, or having being forced to pay millions of dollars in order to get back up and running. So we pivoted our company to what we call pre-breach, which means we basically do everything we can to secure companies before the hack. But we also make them resilient in case they do get hacked. So I got into this, I've been a programmer for almost 30 years. Um, and then I worked at, as is typical, you work your way up into management. And um, I had a very dear friend of mine that was involved in a cyber crime about 10 years ago. And my husband said, you've got to find this person. You've got to, you know, Shree, you can, you know, you can fix this. Powers. And I kept saying, this is a 2020. You can use What's your that? powers. Yeah, right. Like I'm superhuman. And I just told him, I'm like, this is a 2020 special. 2020 has like 40 people like me that do this. Like, there's no way I can just. Plus, I thought if I go down this path, I'll get obsessive, um, which I did. I went down the path. And then within about 24 hours, I was working with the FBI. And that just sort of pivoted my, my career at that point, I think. So once I got into the forensics, I just thought, you know, I'm very good at programming. I really should just become an ethical hacker. And, uh, and that's where I'm at So now. should we help define ethical hacking for us? So hacking is hacking. It's basically uh, accessing computer systems, websites, any way that you can get into a company. Um, and that includes physical access. The primary difference between what we call black hats and white hats, which is me, is that I have permission. That's the, really the only difference is that I have written legal permission. From a, from a company that, to... Not, from a company to my company to say, yes, we're going to go ahead and allow you to hack us. Okay. So really, I mean, when, I, when I think about that, I think pen testing is, is the phrase that primarily comes to mind. Is it pen testing or is it more so than pen, pen testing? Because I think it's more. It is more than pen testing because pen testing one is very formal. It's a very formal process and it has things like port scanners and sniffing. It's very, very specific. 
Ethical hacking is more of an umbrella. So pen testing would be one component, and I've done lots of pen testing before. But it also includes things like social engineering and dumpster diving and things that people don't even think about these days. So, um, you know, I would say a lot of my ethical hacking comes from social engineering. And honestly, IoT devices are so easily hacked. Yeah, I saw your article on LinkedIn. It was uh, attention small business owners. Smart light bulbs are not an IoT device and can be hacked. Talk to us about that. So I think the challenge with all companies, government, small business, even your home users, is that they don't realize how accessible they're putting their networks online whenever they connect IoT devices. And anything that connects. So I just got a, a you know shark robot this last year. The first thing my husband did was download the app. And the first thing I did was delete it. <laughs> I don't need a map of my house to be out on the web because that's what a vacuum does is it maps your house <laughs> and it programs it. So it's, it's so many of these little things. One of the biggest hacks that we did was through a company thermostat. Okay. So those IoT devices, I think, are really, you know, that those are things that a pen test wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be doing, and that's more of an ethical. Yet a lot of these small and medium businesses, one, I would assume they don't understand, just like consumers don't, that the the, the uh, potential risks of putting these devices on their network, video cameras, thermostats, light bulbs, the, the vacuum cleaner, right? The vacuum cleaner, that's a great one. The map of the house, who would think about that? But you could map out the business. Crazy. Yes, you absolutely could. You could map out the doorways. You can map out all the access. So I think that that's definitely an area that all organizations can can lock down. If you just change the passwords on any device that you get, any new device, just change its password to a strong password, then you're already going to be, you know, hackers, one of the things that we don't want to do is spend a lot of time. So wherever I hit a brick wall, I'm just going to pivot. And I just keep pivoting until I don't hit a wall. So as long as you give me enough walls, I'm going to just ditch out of that, you know, whatever I'm doing. But as soon as I find a vulnerability, then I'm going to bury So why it. do these corporate companies, these small, medium businesses bring you in? Like why, what, what's, the, what's, what's the reason to call you as opposed to just continue the standard? Well, one of the... Yeah, one of the big challenges with small businesses is that um, there's all these industry standards for certification. There's now a government standard for cyber certification. There's the NIST standard, obviously, which small businesses don't understand. There's um, HIPAA if you're in healthcare. There's FINRA if you're in financial. So these certain industries have you know, requirements for uh, you doing business securely. But small businesses like um, our local florist or like the, you know, the local gym, they're keeping credit card information. They're keeping payroll information. They're keeping things that, um, that hackers want to gain access to. And they just don't realize, a lot of small businesses think they just don't have any valuable information. But even your website, we had one person who's a one-man band. She does about $100,000 a year in business. She's been in business 20 years. And her website was ransomed. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how small you are. You can be one person or a million people. You're just as vulnerable. So it's important to just recognize these small businesses right now, what we feel we're really gaining because of the COVID-19 is that we have a little bit of time. There's been a little bit of 
pressure valve release on some things for some of our businesses because they're customer facing businesses that don't have customers okay. right now. And so they're taking the time to say, hey, how can we get secure? Yeah, we're seeing with COVID-19, the, the attacks change and evolve. The adversary is very, very smart, right? So they're changing. How, how's well, that impacting your business? You know, I, I, people are working from um, home it, now. It, yeah, I think that that's, you know, one of the things you have to think about is how we can all adapt in this change. And for our company, we're 100% remote anyway. So one of the things that we've seen is a lot of our clients call us saying, how do we do remote securely? Because once someone is on their home Wi-Fi, they're now exposing your company. Right. Once someone is sitting up at a hotspot somewhere, they're, they're exposing your company. So that's one of the ways that we've really been able to help our customers is to allow them, even the local workout uh, place here, they do um, like almost like a ballet, it's called a bar workout. Um, and my girlfriend just bought this business three months ago and she was freaking out. And I said, let's just put it online. Let's just put little Amazon kits together where people can buy kits, we'll ship them to their house and we'll put your workout online and do that securely, right. you know? so. I think it's really a matter of helping organizations understand how we can transition to this new work at home temporarily, but do it securely. One of the things I know that even came up last week in terms of this new normal where you have a lot of businesses that have traditionally been, you know, in office based, um, especially those that are dealing with um, private information. So for instance, for existence, um, healthcare call centers are that they're telling people to turn their Alexas or other devices off because they could potentially hear private information. And I would imagine that could even, um, there's other sort of, um, hacking that could potentially happen through that as well. So it's interesting, these different types of, um, you know, just uh, security measures we're having to take now at our home that we had not previously considered. It's amazing how many listening devices we have in our house. Even our smart fridges are listening devices these days. So we have a corporate policy when we're doing business at home. We have a lot of corporate policies, but one of which is that there is no Alexa in earshot. <laughs> like we, all of our Alexas are unplugged unless we're using them. <laughs> and they're not called Alexa. Rename your Alexa. But you do use them. <laughs> I don't. No, God, no. Okay. <laughs> I think the challenge is you have to decide at some point convenience over privacy. Exactly. And my life is all about privacy. And so I forego some conveniences for that. And I'm so okay we, with that. And as long as those conveniences don't get introduced to my family, they don't know. Okay, but a lot of people in this uh, in these days or any days will will choose convenience. In fact, we, we see the data. It says convenience all day long. This is one area where I think with federal workers, with large corporations, small, medium, it really doesn't matter. When you're working from home, access to the company's intellectual property is at risk. And a lot of people are choosing convenience over security. What do you do? That's a what do you recommend? Accurate. And so it's unfortunate. Well, I think that there's some simple things and let's talk about that You know, as we wrap up. I think there are some simple things that everyone can do in general um, and companies can follow suit. Simple, inexpensive. Um, but I do think that there are, that companies have to do their mm -hmm. due diligence, just sort of putting our heads in the sand and pretending we're too small or we don't have the budget or whatever it is that we're pretending. That just needs to go away. And whenever we have a vulnerability like COVID-19, the hackers just thrive. They absolutely thrive whenever there's some compromise to our system. And right now that happens to be the compromise. So what are the recommendations? 
So, okay, uh, I would say number one, you uh, need to run updates. One of the number one things you can do to secure yourself is to keep your systems updated. I wish we had like an athleisure wear for cybersecurity because then everyone would be in cyber yoga. <laughs> I like I that. <laughs> what we need to do we need some sort of, you know, convenience, and I think that's unfortunate. So updates you can set to run automatically. In our family, all of our devices go somewhere at night, and the updates automatically run, and everyone's got updated computers the next day. Um, I think the second thing that you could do, honestly, is better password. And people are going to say that password hygiene, you guys are so easy to hack i just don't know how easy how much more i can say that you are so and we're not easy. talking monkey one two three four we're talking <laughs> it's so easy i can't even tell you so you're asking just, to make it harder please. for people like you that are having to do the ethical hacking. you need to make it harder <laughs> because you guys are just giving it away i mean like it's honestly there are times where I will spin up a Wi-Fi at a company website, I mean at a company location, and people jump on the hotspot, and I'm already key logging everything wow. that they're typing and capturing. Their Free internet, system. why not? <laughs> okay, so number three, actually, I'll move that to number one. Never, ever, ever, ever use free Wi-Fi, okay. ever. Even at the airport. What about, okay, so no. what about VPN? What about, <laughs> what about anywhere, VPN? I mean, if you're in a Starbucks and you're running over VPN, are you happier or not happy? Even if you're running over a VPN, because I feel like people get lazy and they don't. Or the VPN quits on you and you keep working. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So never ever use public Wi-Fi and don't let friends use. Got that, Erica? Social distancing. Don't let friends use public Wi-Fi. I got it. (laughs) Ever. What's next? So I would say outside of password management, so everyone should have a password management software, um, is uh, VPN. So VPN just encrypts your data. A lot of small businesses don't even realize all the things that a VPN can do outside of just, you know, creating a a secure communication channel, but it also can mask your IP address. It can mask your location. It can mask your, you know, IP service provider. Um, All these different things that really are easy for us to track you physically um, as from a location. You know, it's interesting with COVID-19's release, we've seen the number of firewall firewall orders in our business go way up because we have a built-in VPN. um, and, And I'm really happy to see that because it means people are thinking about how do I secure somebody's home for them or the, or the communications between the office and home when they're not going to. And a firewall appliance is also a really great way to go. I mean, it's an inexpensive option. If it does have additional uh, features such as VPN, that's even better. But like, these are things that even in our own homes, when we work from home, we have these things implemented. We all have to have VPN set up. We all have to have firewalls set up. So that's just our corporate environment to make sure that we do our- Okay, keep going. So I think those are really kind of the top things that users can do, run their updates, get a password manager, never use public Wi-Fi, and uh, run a VPN software. Outside of that, there's really, you know, like from the work at home remote issue, my your IoT devices are freaking me out. So I really am scared about all of your devices, you know, connecting to the internet and exposing your a password, your Wi-Fi password. So now I can get on your Wi-Fi and do other things. What about running all of your IoT devices on a separate network? I think that's pretty complicated for end users. I think as 
as a corporate uh, office, it's a really great way to go. Um, but I don't like, uh, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of IoT devices. And if you are going to use them, you have to isolate them. It's just like anything else. It really is a very easy way to hack into an organization. Erica, how many IoT devices do you think you have in your house? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to admit it. <laughs> I mean, I'm over, I'm over 35. Really? I don't know that I'm Separate that. network, but I'm over 35. I mean, I, I mean, I have everything. It's convenient. Yeah, separate I don't network. Think I'm, I'm that high, and I definitely don't have them on a separate network. I'm not that sophisticated, so. <laughs> but you've given us a, given myself a lot to think about, um, just in terms of what we can do. That's with for those of us that may not be as tech savvy um, in terms of making sure we can stay secure. So I will not use public Wi-Fi. I will uh, that one. <laughs> That's a big part of it. Change those passwords, and then that'll help. You know, 16 characters or more. I'm going to kind of you know hack a little bit, and then I'm going to go. Away. I'm going to find an eight, ten, twelve. Right, because well, it's too hard. Password. What I do, I will not say my password, but I actually make my password a question of something that I want to make sure that I'm doing every day. So, um, you know. Did I drink 75 ounces of water? I will make that my password with question mark, something like that. That's that good. No with the pass, password really manager? <laughs> I do. I do. I think okay. that if we can also help users transition from passwords to passphrases, I would love to get yeah. rid of the word password yeah. altogether. That's why I do phrases or questions, but something password. that will I'll that will trigger really something are. with me. So and as a question, you can easily get to 50 mm -hmm. characters without even really that being a big deal. So I think that's I'll tell amazing. you what's so nice. I'm, I'm a Mac guy. On my, on my uh, Macs, I just use my fingerprint. Well, that's a question. So I do that too. And, and but it can what be a massive password. Well, I mean, everything's hackable, right? So biometrics is going to be one of those things. I think facial recognition is actually going to be a lot more hackable because you're going to have your face out there way more mm -hmm. than your thumbprint, to be honest with you. So facial recognition software will be one of those things that I think um, really takes a hit yeah. at some point. But all in all, you know, I, I love biometrics because of its convenience. But I also have a seven-year-old who's pretty savvy. So she's a few times tried to thumbprint my phone while I was sleeping. I'm not lying. My 12-year-old, same thing. He'll <laughs> use my face and hold the iPad up to it. So, so let's, as we're, uh, you know, coming to the end here, you have a pretty deep background in critical infrastructure. What are your thoughts there? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that started really getting to me when I was doing post-breach work was just seeing how easily um, some of our critical infrastructure was being hacked. And so our, our company started a timeline about three years ago and just started documenting every critical infrastructure. And this includes schools, it includes the post office, you know, anything that's really um, under the umbrella of our government infrastructure. And I swear to you guys, if somebody could put a, a map like the coronavirus for this hacking timeline that we have, I think it would really show you how we are in a cyber war. I think that every three days our critical infrastructure is being attacked across this country. And that's just horrifying to me. So I really, you know, once uh, an actual power grid goes down and we have a downage for three days, then we're going to feel it. Until then, I think until there's pain, it's really tough for people to get rid of the convenience. And then it will become legally mandated. <laughs> All IoT devices have to have 26 character passwords or something. 
But the reality is, is that those are the things that make it easy for us to get into the infrastructure is things that you just don't think about. You know, a new smart coffee pot was just installed. I don't know why your coffee pot needs to be on the internet, but it got on the internet. And now it's, you know, a device in which I can take down your whole company. Right. So it's really important that we look at, you know, this infrastructure as a cyber war. It's yeah, Erica, imagine in these sure. COVID-19 days, I mean, we're at home, we have electric, we have running water, we have sewage, we have everything we need. Life is inconvenient. And I don't want to minimize what's happening at all. But imagine if we had something like this without power and no water right. and sewage. Yeah. And, and, we, and we couldn't restore power because the nation state attacked the power grid you know, for two or three months. Imagine the, the catastrophic nature of something like that. This is almost a lead-in to make you think about it, if you will. You know, the good news is we still have most of the comforts. I, I Granted, we're shut in. People are getting sick. It's horrible. We're running out of hospital beds. But imagine if those hospitals had no power. Right, right, we absolutely. We to the emergency generators. And we couldn't communicate to one another and, and move doctors around or whatever we needed to do. That would be a major problem. And that's what keeps me up at night. Well, and the thing is, is that there are very specific state actors that are trying, you know, desperately when we're right now, we're fighting a biological warfare, but we're also mm -hmm. fighting a cyber warfare simultaneously. And they're going to use every vulnerability that we have, every single one. And COVID-19 is the vulnerability of the moment. So, you know, fake toilet paper, um, websites i'm telling you like everything that they can do they're going to do that's the way hackers think yeah, yeah no, i mean i hope this will make us um well that's what i was getting ready to say i think situations like this are just more evidence of how unprepared we are for the unknown and un uncertainty and i think certainly in the cyber world um we've seen it happen in you know different um cities which have been attacked you know at the municipal and, and sort of level but i think if we think about it at a larger scale it shows that <laughs> There's a lot of work to do in a lot of areas and we can't ignore any of them. So, um, so thank you so much. Agreed. But some of them are super, super easy, like running updates, you guys, yeah. that's not a complicated thing. Single click of a button update. And I know it's inconvenient, but that tiny bit of inconvenience can make you, you know, 60% more secure today. Than yeah. My personal opinion is just like with the virus right now, the federal state and local governments need to step up and protect the American people from what's potentially going to happen in the future, right? We've got to be better prepared as a nation, as nations across the globe, because this is a, uh, this is a great intro. Sheree, thank you though. Great, great time with you today. Thank you. And, and Sheree, I have to You're say, welcome. we've probably done about, I don't know, um, I believe this might be about our 60 plus episode, maybe 70. And you have the, we, and just for our listeners, we record um, uh, via uh, Zoom, which everyone is using Zoom right now, but we've always used Zoom so we can see each other. And you have the most beautiful background that I think of any guest that we have had. It's the greenery is a nice, for ah. someone who lives in the city and, and my, <laughs> I don't see a lot of greenery. It's, it's, it's lovely to see in the Rocky Mountains there. <laughs> well, it's, it's movable, Erica. You can, you can actually see it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless this is a virtual background, right? That's a, that's a real one. <laughs> Show her, Sheree. It's okay. It's my oh, green screen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. I've got to get this. 
You know, the thing is, is I'm a privacy person, so I don't want you seeing anything wow. you shouldn't be seeing. Oh, my goodness. So see, this is the behind the scenes thing that our, 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 um, our, our, our listeners don't know about. So. Right, well, my whiteboard is out there, and when you know we're re working remote right now, I've got all kinds of stuff on my whiteboard. I don't want you. Well, that's enough, that's that's some good info for also in terms of um, protection is <laughs> make sure you don't have your whole home on display when you're uh, opening yourself up to <laughs> to uh, video conferences. So that is highly. I've been staring at it the whole time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know it's so pretty. For, for the listeners who can't see, it's a sunny yard with trees in the background. You just want to go lie in the yard and take a nap in the on a nice spring day. It, it looks like acres. Yeah. Well, I know it really makes me feel very peaceful in my home well, office. Okay, Erica, so Michael's going to chastise me. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Cherie. We so appreciate all of the advice that you gave to our listeners today, and just for this conversation, it was it was. Um, very helpful and very timely. So thank you all for listening in this week to To The Point Cybersecurity. Please join us every week as we discuss topics uh, and, um, and we, we want to hear from you. So please um, send us an email, send us a, a note, let us know the topics that you want to hear about. And we hope everyone is staying healthy and safe out there. Until next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Sheree, take care. Be safe out there. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 